Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 11. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and you're listening to the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and the United States who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, helping to keep them away from drugs and crime and to inspire them to pursue their goals and dreams. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, geese, and tournament registrations. As a supporter, the BJJ Metal Coach donates all the profits of t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.liveju-jitsu.org. It's www.liveju-jitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Joseph Castillo. Joseph is a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu under Bruno Bastos. Joseph graduated from Yale University in 1980 with a degree in biochemistry with the intention of becoming a doctor. A change in heart resulted in him attending New Mexico Tech, where he earned a degree in petroleum engineering. Joseph started working with Chalamberger, where he stayed for 11 years managing projects ranging from the North Sea to Siberia, Russia. After moving to Midland, Texas in 1993, he co-founded Sierra Engineering. Joseph expanded Sierra to have offices in Midland, Oklahoma City, and Houston, managing over 400 drilling operations across Texas and the Rockies. In 2005, he sold his interest in Sierra to start a new company called Bold Energy. Over the next 12 years, Joseph worked to grow Bold Energy, and in November of 2016, Bold Energy announced a merger with Earthstone Energy. This deal was closed in May of 2017, and he moved on to new interests. Joe's journey to jiu-jitsu began in 2013 when an employee of his was going to a new gym that offered BJJ. Joseph didn't even know what BJJ was, but he put Google to work and found out that a BJJ legend was taking up residence in Midland, Bruno Bassus. At 55, Joe took his first step on his BJJ journey, a successful and impressive journey that has included multiple gold medals at Master World Championships, three-time winner of the Pan Ams, including a gold medal in the Brown Belt Division in 2017. In 2018, he won a bronze medal in the Black Belt Division. Joe is a proud father of four children and seven grandchildren who married his college sweetheart. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Gustavo. Thank you for the uh, introduction. And it's very nice to be speaking with you this morning. Awesome. I'm super excited. This is this is great, Joe. This is such an amazing inspiration to start jujitsu at 55. (laughs) Get your black belt and still competing. I tell you all, man, there are not very many individuals like you out there. You know, this is amazing. Congratulations. (laughs) And Tell us a little bit how Jiu-Jitsu got into your life. It's, you know, said that it, Bruno was moving into Texas. So how did it show up in your life? You know, the, the first time I met Bruno was at the, uh, the 5.30 a.m. Uh, or 5 a.m. class mm-hmm. uh, that my friend uh, uh, convinced me to go with him to. 
And uh, so we're, we're sitting uh, outside the gym at a, you know, before 5 a.m. And uh, we hear a car pull up in the parking lot. There's maybe five guys sitting there waiting. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's dark. And so I, 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 we hear the, the, the person get out of the car and I hear flip-flops. Uh, coming up mm-hmm. the uh, coming up the uh, the walkway, and uh, and then we we <laughs> we finally see Bruno, and it's the first time his first statement was "ooh," but he had this big smile on his face, and mm-hmm. uh, even though it was five a.m. and really we should all have been still in bed, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was you could tell he was excited to uh, to be be there to get ready to uh, start teaching us. That's awesome. And um, how do you feel BJ relate with life? You know, you're starting late and everything that you've seen in business, in your personal, how do you feel uh, jujitsu relate to life? Well, you know, as far as uh, age goes, uh, I, um, I, I've, I've always felt that uh, age is just a number. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, when I was, uh, when I was young, uh, in high school and college, uh, I was, uh, I was athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I competed in wrestling in, uh, uh, high school and college, uh, went to work and, uh, didn't do anything physical, uh, until, uh, I turned 50 years old. Wow. And, and what happened uh, when I turned 50, uh, I was, I'm only five feet seven, but I was up to 185 pounds. Wow. My lower back hurt. And my blood pressure was, uh, uh, I was advised that I needed to do something to get my blood pressure down. And, uh, and so we, we, uh, we, we started a competition at, at Bold Energy to have a weight loss program between uh, the summer and Thanksgiving. And, uh, and we, we had prizes and, you know, we made a competition out of it and got really the whole company involved in doing it. And uh, I was able to lose uh, uh, going down to 161 pounds and had also taken up uh, long distance running. Wow, and, awesome. and so, uh, after, after that, my, my health really got jump started again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I like to say my body was preserved between the time I was mm-hmm. 21 and the time I was uh, 50 because I didn't do anything. Uh, and so I didn't have a lot of the injuries that, that people that have done, uh, high level sports all of their life. Uh, I didn't have those injuries that, that, that a lot of people, uh, that, that have been doing sports a long time have. And so, uh, it was just a matter of, of making the decision to, to start eating right again and to, um, uh, adopt, uh, you know, daily regimen of, uh, physical activity. And, and so that, that eventually led to me uh, joining CrossFit mm-hmm. and, uh, I was the, I was the old man in the, in the mm-hmm. CrossFit gym as well. And, uh, there's something about being around younger people that inspires you to, to try. And, and so I, you know, a, a, a huge benefit of, of going to a jujitsu gym or a CrossFit gym where you do have younger people, uh, they, they will drive you to try. Mm-hmm. And, uh, That's awesome. and so that was a, that was a, that was a great, uh, uh, decision that I made to, uh, to do CrossFit and then, uh, then to transition into jujitsu. And, uh, and of course, having, having a, a guy like Bruno and you, you've known Bruno, uh, most of your life, mm. uh, he's very contagious, you know, yeah. uh, competition, uh, that's, that's his main thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so he, uh, he encourages everyone to compete for, for a variety of good reasons. Uh, but I, I tell you, it's, it's been, a, a, a it's been a blast. I, I can't imagine, 
uh, doing anything more fun than this. Hmm. That's so amazing. So when did you have the spark to pursue your vision of leaving the corporate world to do your own business? When did you have that spark? I actually, so I worked for Summer J for almost 12, 11 and a half years. And the, fir, the, the spark occurred after I had been there for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. wow. uh, that was early so then, yeah. Fairly it was very early. early. And so why did it take me <laughs> 10 more years mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, to finally make the decision? Uh, and, you know, I, I, uh, like, like a lot of people, uh, I had a, a young family. I had a wife. Uh, I had, uh, when, I, when I made that decision, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I had a, a baby daughter and another, another child on the way. And, and so I was struggling with, well, how am I going to, how am I going to make this transition mm -hmm. from, you know, because I could live in the, in the trunk of my car, but I can't, I can't bring my family there. Mm -hmm. So I, I have to figure out to how to balance the, the needs for the, for your young family with uh, starting a business. But the other, the other thing that concerned me was, I don't know, I don't know anything about uh, this oil and gas business. So mm -hmm. I, I, I'm working for a good company that is, a, is working in, is in the oil and gas business. There's not a better place to get an education True. Than, than right here. And so uh, I, I convinced myself the key here is to have patience mm -hmm. and, and start planning for what you want to do today. You know, you know what your goal is. You're not sure how to get there but let's start today. And, and so I knew I had to do a couple of things. One is I had to learn how, how do these oil and gas companies, how are they structured? Mm -hmm. uh, where do they get their investment capital from? How does, how does it work? Uh, I also had to start saving money uh, because I knew that it, when I left, when I left, uh, finally made the decision to leave Slumber J that the paycheck was going away and so I needed to have a, a reserve of money to be able to continue to take care of my family. And, and so the, the, uh, the decision was early, but the steps that needed to be taken also had to be early. And, and so uh, that's why it took me that long. And, and it, it, it did require quite a bit of, of, of patience because I really wanted to do it, but I also knew that I had to, I had to uh, uh, make sure I had a, a good base underneath me before I made that jump. Uh, and so, you know, pa patience is a, a big part of, of making the, the timing right. If, if you make the timing too early where m maybe you don't know enough mm -hmm. about what you're wanting to do, uh, then your, your chances of failure are, are high. And, you know, one of the, the early books that I, I read, uh, and I forget the name of the book, but it, it had to do with why businesses fail. And, mm -hmm one of the most striking statistics there was most businesses fail within the first five years of starting. Yeah. And the reason that they fail to a large degree is because lack of capital. Mm. The, the owners, they, they run out of, they run out of money and, and then they start going into debt. And then the next thing you know, the, the business uh, implodes on itself. So I, I knew I didn't want to be in that situation. Well, so it, it, it took, it took, you know, nine and a half years of preparation uh, to be ready to pull the trigger on, on starting another business. I believe in what pushed you. Cause I know that when you actually pull the trigger, I bet that you had a lot of anxiety, a lot of fears. And how did you push through that phase? Because a lot of people who are listening, 
Joe, we have a lot of people in transition that is in a corporate world and they're not satisfied where they're at, but they have, but they struggle to do what you did to pull the trigger. So what do you feel that actually moved you to go and feel that fear and do it anyway? It was the preparation, Gustavo. Nice. The, you, if you if you compare it to say jujitsu, you're, you're you're going to a big tournament. Mm-hmm. If if you know that the tournament is six months away, and you don't do any training uh, for the for the next five months, and then suddenly thirty days before the tournament, you you start your training. Uh, when you get to the tournament, how well prepared do you do you feel that you are? Mm-hmm. If you don't feel that you're well prepared, it's probably because you're not. And, and that person is going to have a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety and a lot of doubt going into the tournament. And so I, I would say it's no difference. Mm-hmm. There's no difference in business that if you, if you set a goal for yourself, I want to be, I want to have my own business in, in such and such a time, then you have to begin the preparations early. And if, if you are disciplined in, in how you prepare, you, you have to be, uh, interested in learning everything you can about the business that you want to go into, how you would conduct that business, how you would structure it, some of the things that you would do and some of the things you won't do. You take all of those steps of learning and, and basically training yourself mm-hmm. to be in business. When, when the day finally comes, there's going to be anxiety. It's natural, but you will feel prepared and that will, yes. that will allow you the confidence to make the step and go, and go forward. Yeah, so that's what I would say to anyone is set, set a goal for yourself, but make sure you prepare yourself for it uh, in the appropriate time. Mm-hmm. And based on we were talking a little bit before the interview, based on the experience that I have from the corporate world, plus running your own business, what advice would you give to new entrepreneurs, people who are in transition, they going in or they already started their business? What is some lessons that you learn in this journey? We're always learning, but you have learned they're crucial for the development of someone's company. Right. Gosh, there's so, there's, there's so many things. Uh, I, I think maybe two things that I would, I would say is uh, one is a financial discipline, mm-hmm. which means that, you, you have to know uh, what your, what your expenses are. You, you have to know what your business is costing you and you have to have a, a disciplined budget of, of knowing what you can spend on certain things and knowing that you, that you have in some, some way the, the resources to uh, be able to manage that budget. Mm-hmm. So financial discipline and, and budgeting I think are, are key things that pe- people need to undertake, even if you're not in business, even if you're just, just a person who's working, sure. uh, having a budget is a critical, a critical thing because at some point you're not going to be able to work. And, and so you have, to, you have to plan for that day that you're not going to be working anymore and, and a budget will help you set aside money to be able to, uh, to leave that job and, and retire. Mm-hmm. Same in business. Uh, you you have to be able to budget and and know where you are at all times so that you're you're not underwater. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the second the second thing is um, in in my business I've always had partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's no way to to do my business as a single a single person. Uh, mm-hmm. There's too much to do, 
And, and so I, I recognized early, I'm going to have to have partners. And I, and I think most businesses, uh, they can start out as a single, a single proprietorship, but at some point, as you, as we were talking, I think before the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the started, uh, at some point a person has to consider that, uh, I need to bring on another person to help me. Mm-hmm. And, and then maybe I need to bring on another person after that. And, and so there's, in, in most companies, there is the opportunity to, as you grow to add, add people to your organization, either as employees or, or partners. And, and so what I would say on that, on that situation is loyalty is a, uh, a huge component in mm-hmm. successfully bringing on a partner or successfully bringing, bringing on employees. And uh, it, it, uh, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a book that I read back in 1996, which was about three years after we started Sierra Engineering, and it it, uh, it was it's called the uh, the loyalty effect. And in that in that book, the author he talks about three things that are that are are critical to the success of a business. He says first, uh, the owners of the company have to be loyal to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to have each other's back. Uh, the second thing he says is, is that the employees have to have loyalty to the company. And then the third thing he says is you have to have loyal customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you read that and you go, well, that's, that's great. That sounds nice. But how do you, how do you get there? Mm-hmm. And, and we know how to recognize loyalty. Uh, we know how to recognize disloyalty, but sometimes we don't pay attention to it. True. If, if you, if you're bringing on a, if you're bringing on a, uh, a partner or you're asking someone to join you, you have to look at that person and, and, and look at their moral compass, look at their moral code. Um, Your values. Yeah. Are they loyal to their family? Are they loyal? Mm-hmm. Do they go see their mother? Do they go see their father? Do they take their, their children to the zoo? You know, they have to have some demonstration of loyalty already in their life mm-hmm. for you to be comfortable. Hey, th- this guy, or this, or this person will be loyal to the org, to me and to the organization. Uh, on employees, it's it's the same thing. But interestingly, in this book, uh, what uh, Reichhold talks about in this book, the loyalty effect is uh, uh, in, uh, the the employer must first demonstrate loyalty to the employee in order for the employee to return that that loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the third the third concept in that book is loyal loyal customers. And at Sierra Engineering, uh, when I left Sierra Engineering, we had over a uh, hundred customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, we were up to hundred and fifty customers. And and one of the things that we looked at was uh, where does most of our rev- which customers gives us most of our revenue, mm-hmm. and which customers do we spend most of our time with? So ideally, you would think. The customers I spend most of my time with are the customers that also mm-hmm. uh, generate the most revenue for me. And what, you, what we found was it was the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80% of our revenue came from about 20% of our customers and 80% of our time was spent on uh, the customers that were in the lower part of who we were generating the most revenue from. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we looked at, and I, having read that book, uh, he, uh, Reichhold didn't specifically say it, but I thought, you know, we're spending so much time on these other customers. Yes. We're not spending enough time on our good customers. 
the guys that are that are dealing with us every day, giving us business every day, we're spending all of our time on these other people that all they do is complain and I and, get you. The 80-20 you know. rule, yeah. <laughs> and so we we uh, we fired we fired many of our customers. Uh, mm -hmm. We gave them plenty of notice. We said, hey, in two, in the next year, we're not going to be able to service you any any longer, and and we appreciate all the business you gave us. Uh, best of, best of luck to you. And it allowed us to turn our focus back to the customers that that had been loyal to us, which allowed us to increase our loyalty back to them. And we continued to grow to grow revenues in that in that way, and it really reduced the stress in our lives. Uh, and of course, you can't you can't pick a loyal customer from day one. How how do you know if they're going to be loyal or not? True. But you that bring them on as a customer, and you see over time how they are. And a bad customer can drag you drag you down. You know they can they can uh, uh, create a lot of anxiety in your life. Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, whereas a good customer makes you uh, you know very happy to be in business. So I. I think all those three those three components of lo of loyalty, your partners, your employees, and your customers, uh, really if people pay a lot of attention to that as they're growing their business, it, it will it will help them be in a good place as as their business continues to grow. Awesome, I love it. Um, Tim Ferriss, he has the book the Four Hour Work Week. He talks about this the the myth uh, the myth of the customer is always right is like not necessarily you know what i mean like, and he talks about this about firing in um customers too he mentioned how 80 exactly the same thing you just said 80 percent of people just complaining and they're like man what is this what is that and he did this that it was awesome awesome do you say that because uh, i've heard those concepts before what would you say that is your biggest struggle in your entrepreneurial career you know that you face i don't know if you say when you're in a corporate world but when right in a transition what would you say was the toughest time and what did you learn from it so in in the uh 2004 i sold my interest back to my partners in share engineering and in 2005 was getting ready to start bold energy and i i had a small team of oil and gas professionals put together and uh, in particular i had a very good geologist that was going to help me in in projects in Southeast New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I had uh, offered to this geologist to, to join the, join the new team was something called an overriding royalty interest, which is very common in the oil and gas business where you offer a, a geoscientist some sort of interest, free interest uh, in every well that you drill. Okay. And I didn't, I didn't think much about it. I thought it was a, a good idea, a good way to, uh, 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 you know, have a, a good relationship with this geologist that he, he would have an opportunity to way too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, I thought it would be good for him and it would be good for us. So I was looking for a, 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 uh, uh, equity commitment, uh, of about $30 million to start this company. And at that time, that was a, that, that was a huge sum of money uh, for any of us. And, uh, I talked to several different private equity organizations and was turned down by all but one. And, uh, and I talked to like 10 or 11 uh, private equity uh, companies. And uh, energy private equity is, uh, these, are guys, these are rich people in New York, Houston, Dallas, Los Angeles, that they, they allocate a certain amount of their, their wealth to investments 
in mm. the energy in the private energy sector. Okay. And and uh, the the private equity firms manage those funds for the for those people. Um, uh, those those funds also include investments by universities, by uh, firemen's uh, retirement funds, teachers' retirement funds, uh, policemen' retirement funds, b- big organizations that. Uh, put money in for their retirement. So this one company liked my liked my plan, looked at it, and they said, "Man, this is great, and we are willing to to commit this thirty million dollars to you, except for this problem that we see here. You've offered this override, overriding royalty interest to this geologist. We see that as a big conflict of interest. Uh, if you can change that, then we we will be ready to sign the documents." So I went to my geologist. And I said, listen, uh, we're going to have to do away with the, the overriding royalty interest. Uh, these guys see this as a conflict of interest, and, and, and they, they want that removed. But I'm going to make it up to you by increasing your ownership in the company by that same amount. So, so we're going to take it away from you on the override, but we're going to give it back to you in your ownership. Mm-hmm. And he said, Joe, I can't, I can't do it. He said, without the override, I'm out. I said, is there any way I can convince you to, to stick with us? And he said, nope, without the override, I'm out. Mm-hmm. So I went back to uh, the private equity company. I said, <laughs> um, I, you know, had my discussion with him and he's, he, he's, he's not going to be able to stay, stay with me. So uh, it's going to take me just a couple of months to find another geologist, but we're, we're still ready to go. They said, well, Joe, we're, we're not ready to fund you if you don't have a geologist. Hmm. So I, I was put into this strange catch-22 Greek tragedy concept or situation where hmm. they wanted me to get rid of the override. I got rid of the override. I lost my geologist. And they said, well, we can't fund you unless you have a geologist. And I said, well, I'm going to find another geologist. So I went out and, uh, uh, you know, talked to a bunch, bunch of more people, found equally as good a geologist as, as I had, maybe even a little better and convinced him to join us without the overriding royalty interest. I went back to these guys. It took me three months hmm. to do that. I went back to the private equity guy and I said, I've got my geologist. And they said, oh, hi, Joe. Well, listen, that's great, but we've moved on. <laughs> we're, we're, no longer, hmm. we're no longer interested in that, in hmm. that area. And uh, so I was, I was out on a, a location uh, and uh, – I was really bummed out about it. I mean, this was a huge disappointment because it had taken me several months, Yeah, you know, to get those guys to talk to me. Then it took me several more months to convince them our business plan was good. And then, then it took me three more months to find the replacement geologist. And, and now they turned me down because they had moved on. And I thought, man, this is, I can't believe this. And I'm out there. It was two o'clock in the morning. Uh, it was February. It was snowing. Uh, and I'm tired and I'm a little cranky and, uh, just very disappointed in, in how this has all turned out. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me, well, Joe, you can, you can lay down and quit and just go back, tell your, tell your partners at Sierra that you're back mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and not pursue the dream that you had back in 1982 or 1984 rather. And, uh, and just go on with your life and I'm sure your life will be fine. And something inside of me said, man, you can't quit. You've, you've worked too hard to get to this point. Uh, if you quit, you're not going to know 
and you're gonna, you know, you, you'll, re, you'll, I, I knew that I would regret this uh -huh. if I didn't, if I didn't try one more, one more time. So I wrote them a, uh, I wrote the the company a, a, a one page letter because they don't like read. They typically don't read more than one page. Mm. Wrote them a one page letter and I said, you you liked my plan back in October. Uh, nothing has changed. This is February. Let us come down to Houston and sit down with you one more time and bring our new geologist with you and, and have a frank conversation about what we're wanting to do. And uh, I got a call. That, so I FedExed that letter to the, the, the head of that company. He called me the next day and he said, got your letter. Uh, appreciate that, that appreciate your persistence. When can you guys come, come down here and see us? And I said, we'll, we'll be there uh, uh, Monday of next week. So we flew down Monday of next week, brought our new geologist, sat down with them, had a two-hour conversation, and they said, we're, we're ready to go. Nice. And uh, we, we signed, the, signed the documents and started uh, uh, Bold Energy uh, March the 1st. And, uh, and so, the, you know, the, you're always going to have obstacles, uh, and you're certainly always going to have fears and doubts. The, the, the key is to keep plunging ahead even when someone tells you no on something uh rethink your your situation and then if you need that answer to be yes go back and talk to them again show them show them another reason why they should say yes and convince them that that no is the wrong answer for them and you know so and it's again i always and like you i, I draw these parallels to to jujitsu that that we all have these these times where you're frustrated with your progress and you think, man, um, what am I doing wrong? How do I how do I correct this? How do I fix it? And the, the way you fix it is you don't quit. Mm -hmm. Just you keep you you keep working at it, and you take a different a different angle, a different approach, uh, and and find out. Well, you know, let me try this. Let me try that. You keep trying different things until something works. Man, that's so awesome. One of the main messages that I share here at the podcast is the idea of living your life authentic to your desires of what do you want? And it's awesome that you had this rough moment, but you're able to reflect on what was your true desire that you had in the spark in 1984, you know, and you remember right. that, that because at the moment that you say, no, you're not being authentic to yourself anymore, to your desires, to exactly what you want to accomplish. And that's something that we, do our best to push here at the podcast is because the fears and anxieties that all the, the troubles that come along the way. And sometimes people end up not being authentic to the, what they really want. Yeah. And I mentioned a lot about here that when you ask sometimes with people, are you authentic? And people can say, yeah, I say whatever I want. I dress any way I want. Yeah. That's part of the authenticity. Yeah. But what about being authentic to your desire to what you want? If that's what you want to open it, because that's a big boy project that you jump in. You know what I mean? That's a lot of responsibility, man. And that's awesome. It's I, I call it, it it's uh, it's quitting on yourself. Yeah. And uh, if never quit on yourself, if like you say, if you if you have a dream and you have a, a goal and a desire, and that is who you are and 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 what you want to pursue, don't ever quit on yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What would you say that is a one high performance habit that you have that helped you in life, in business, in jujitsu, something that you do daily that helped you? Well, I haven't always had good, good practices, <laughs> Gustavo, but uh, 
you know, when uh, I, I recognized early that, uh, uh, you know, discipline is a, a key part to, yeah. to business. It's a key part to jujitsu. And um, you have to have, you have to have a moral, a moral compass and you have to follow that, that moral compass uh, re- religiously. Uh, you know, you, your, your, your word has to be your bond. If you say that you're going to do something, you have to do that. Even if, even if it turns out that it wasn't a good decision, you still have to carry through on what you, what you committed to do. Um, but so I, I think the, the, the word that, that I would use on that is, is, is discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, and in your daily life, you, you can have discipline. Um, and the, I think the way that uh, you can manifest discipline is, uh, and the way I do it is uh, I go to bed early and I get up early. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, uh, I make sure that I, I'm rested. And at 60, at 60 years old, soon to be 61, mm-hmm. rest is very important. But yeah. it's, also, it's also important when you're young and, and starting a business. If you allow yourself to get exhausted, uh, you're not going to go the distance. Mm-hmm. So early, early, early in anyone's uh, career, uh, especially when you're starting a business, uh, make sure that you're rested. Uh, so that you're you're prepared to handle the stresses and the the trials and tribulations of of the day. If you're tired and worn out, man, it's a lot easier to give up when you're tired and worn out. So I I think I think that's a that's a key thing. And then the other thing is uh, you know we I, and I I don't you know want to say anything bad about anybody, but um, and and hopefully my teammates will will see this and maybe some of them will take it to heart, which is we always like to eat clean five weeks before a tournament or six weeks before a tournament. Well, you know, if you eat clean all the time, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to change your, your, your habits, your lifestyle. You, you, you're always the same. Your weight doesn't go up. It doesn't, you know, uh, it's it, the habit, right? It's a habit. It's a daily, it's a daily habit. And, uh, and that, that is a part of, uh, of maintaining your energy level, when you're training and it's, it's the same, I would say it's the same in business. If you're, if you're getting the proper amount of sleep and you're eating properly, you will have the right amount of energy to, to, uh, to get through the labor of, uh, of running that business in the same way that you would get through the, the challenges of training for a, a high level tournament. Yeah. One thing I can say, especially for people maybe who are in the entrepreneurial journey, maybe can relate with this more, but something that I have improved over the years with my habit is the rest, you know, like you said, because I went through phases in my life that when the, it's grind time, it's grind time. And that means going to bed late, waking up early, but I did what I had to do at that moment. But right. now I'm so much more aware of, and I started a few years ago because I noticed I was, uh, like you said, I was dragging the next day. And the next thing you do, you do this for weeks straight. Next thing you do that for months straight and, and it goes bad. So I'm very proud of now how I'm a lot more aware of how my, I don't have specifically a time to wake up, but I try to calculate that if I go into bed late because I work until late, that means I can sleep a little more to compensate, but I'm always trying to get the seven hour seven. If I can get eight, I'm so happy, but seven, it's a, it seems to be a, a good number for me to function six. I'm already like, eh, <laughs> like not feeling that great, but man, right. I, had, I had, there are times when I had tournaments and, 
and that's grind time, you know. But oh, yeah. now go for years and years is not easy. So something for people not to underestimate, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what did you say is the best advice you ever received? So the and I, I can say this with uh, uh, full full uh, uh, enthusiasm. The best advice I ever got was uh, uh, so at, when, during my eleven years at Summerjay, uh, I spent uh, a year or I spent two years in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, between nineteen eighty five and nineteen eighty seven, and my boss there was a, a man by the name of Jack Albell. He passed away a couple summers ago. Uh, and he was a, a very wise uh, uh, petroleum engineer. He had been with Slumberjay since before I was born. So he started, he started working for Slumberjay in 1955. Um, and, he, and so as, as a young engineer there, uh, there were uh, a, lot of, a lot of young engineers uh, after about two or three years with Slumberjay were quitting. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them were quitting because they weren't being promoted fast enough. They weren't getting the pay raises that they thought they should have been getting. And, and Jack, uh, I, I never complained or anything. I was happy to have a job mm -hmm. but, uh, because that's another story. But anyway, Jack was concerned that maybe I was, I was going to, you know, run out of uh, enthusiasm and, and because they did, Summer Jay did not give raises uh, very often. And he, the advice that he gave me was he said, Joe, the fast track is littered with dead bodies. <clears throat> I thought, what, what does that mean, Jack? <laughs> he said, well, <clears throat> he said, look around you. He said, people that move up too quickly uh, in an organization and they don't build up their base of knowledge and they're in pursuit of success rather than pursuit of knowledge he said they reach a they reach a point where they're being well paid, but they become incompetent at their job, mm. and and once they become incompetent, they're no longer useful to the organization, and the organization runs them off. Wow. So don't be on the don't be in a hurry to be successful. Be in a hurry to add to your knowledge. Be in a hurry to uh, uh, know as much as you can about what what your job is and what you're doing the success will come later and that that always stuck with me and uh and so you know it, like i said i i prepared to start my business it, it took 11 years uh to uh, uh to do that and uh and because i i wanted i didn't want to be that guy that was the the dead body along the side of the road mm -hmm. that it, it was going it was going too fast and yeah no that's that's a great that's a great advice. I really like that because it brings, comes back to the patience again, you know, because that basically what I have to do. And what advice would you give to your younger self when you started, when you left the corporate world to the entrepreneurial journey? What would you tell Joe? Um, I would say, Joe, uh, when you started out at Slumberjay, you were working 18-hour days. Uh, you were seeing your children only on the weekends and only for maybe a few hours. Don't be, don't be like that. Mm -hmm. uh, that job's going to be there. Spend more time with your family. Make sure that every week you are creating memories with your children, memories with your, your wife, uh, memories that, that uh, are good 
family memories that will carry them all of their life and that you'll reflect back on uh, with, with fond memories as well. And so that, that's a, that's a, a, I mentioned earlier, I don't, I didn't always have good habits and, Mm -hmm. and I I really, when I, when I, I was in such a, uh, so engaged with the mission, you know, I was on a mission, but I, I, I should there, it's, it's really life is two missions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Your family is, is your number one mission. And even though your business is, is a key, key thing and, and you, you have a passion for it, you, you should have an equal passion uh, for, and enthusiasm for your family and uh, make sure that, that, that you're giving them the, the time and the, the quality of, of your time with them. And I, I, wish, I, wish, I, uh, I wish I hadn't. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and I remember someone telling me later, and, and it really, it really uh, stuck with me, said, no, no one ever is on their deathbed at the end of their life and, and says, man, I wish I had spent more time at the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everyone says, I wish mm-hmm. I had spent more time with my family and, and, uh, and I, I'm making up for it now. I'm making mm-hmm. it up uh, with my grandchildren. And, uh, but I would tell any, any person uh, that has kids uh, and, and they're, they're starting a, running a business, starting a business, even, even just working, uh, give your family the due time that, that, that they, that they deserve. Yeah, and I feel that, that this is an amazing device. And I even tell people who maybe struggle with this before. And as I mentioned, I did too. And I like to say that we just need to forgive ourselves and understand that we did the best we could with the emotional maturity that we had at that moment. <laughs> That's all we had. You know, like right, you're right. here today is because, you know, you you had to do that, and if you if you knew different, could have done you know you done differently. But we didn't know, you know. Right. So it's very important for people who are listening out there not to resent yourself for some of the choices that you made in the past, because this is the fact, and the fact cannot be changed. Only your response to the fact can be changed. So it's awesome right. that you have this clarity, and you're able to make the adjustments. And this is a great tip for people who are starting that entrepreneurial journey some people right now is not it's not going to click yet they're like joe you don't understand i'm in the middle of the grind you know so some of the things i I do understand yeah it's it's not going to make sense right now but when they're going to click like huh that's right i need to calm down so i we had some episodes we talked about this before um so what book would you recommend and why if there's a book that made a big impact on you that loyalty effect book that I mentioned earlier, uh-huh. uh, it's a, it's, that's the only business book I've ever read Gustavo. And, wow. uh, but that book, uh, uh, had so, so many uh, lessons in it that, um, that helped me understand what I needed to be looking for as we, as we structured our, structured our companies, um, that uh, I, I would recommend that book to any, anyone, uh, that's, that's building a business or in business uh, or, or desiring to eventually uh, be in business. Awesome. So what are you currently excited about? What's going on? Well, you know, I, I've, uh, I've figured, I've always believed that uh, your life is in uh, four different uh, uh, quadrants and each quadrant is about 20 years long. Hmm. Uh, the first 20 years of your life is figuring out uh, which way uh, is North, uh, how to drive a car, um, how to write a check, you know, just basic, uh, basic things. Uh, the next 20 years of your life is learn is where you spend figuring out what you want to do, uh, figuring out what your passion is and what you want to pursue in life. 
uh, the next 20 years from 40 to 60 is actually where most people make their wealth, mm-hmm. uh, build up their nest egg, build up their, their wealth, whatever, whatever, whatever their, their success story for themselves is, happens between the ages of 40 and 60. And then the, the, the last uh, segment, which is the one I'm now facing, is uh, 60 to 80. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I'll get one more segment. I don't know after mm-hmm. that. But I think most, most uh, life expectancies are around 80 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'll go past 80. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but uh, that's, the, that's the time when, you, when I think you, you have to be more cognizant of giving back. Yes. So you, you've done all these things. The first 20 years, it was all about you. The next 20 years was mostly about you. Uh, the next 20 years was definitely about you. And, and now the, the last 20 years, it has to be about uh, figuring out a way to, to give back in a, in a meaningful way. And uh, so that, that's what I'm excited about is looking to see what, what can I do uh, uh, that would have uh, impact on young, young people, help, helping them uh, in their pursuits um, uh, and, you know, just to, having, having a way to, to return some of the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the blessings that I've, I've had, uh, over my lifetime. Awesome. I'm so excited to hear about this. I love this, this breakdown that you had, you know, uh, every 20 years, love that. And for the listeners, just make sure to stick around to getting close to the end of the interview. So stick around for my final thoughts after the interview in just where they can find more about you if they want to maybe take a look at your you know website or uh, Instagram, social media, how they can find out more about you and a final message you'd like to leave to them. Well, I, I'm, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, um, which uh, is a Facebook for adults, I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and so that, that's, that's where anyone can, can see, uh, see where I'm at and see, see what my bio is and see what I'm, what I'm up to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also for, for people that, that, that are in business, uh, LinkedIn is a great way to see mm-hmm. what other people in business are doing, other, other professionals and, uh, and, and also to find people in your discipline uh, that where you, you know, you can, you can join different networks uh, of your young entrepreneurs, old entrepreneurs. Uh, there's a variety of uh, different groups that you can, you can get into that where they share very relevant information about everything from, you know, tax code to, um, you know, uh, insightful ways to motivate people, mm-hmm. uh, th- you know, things like that. So link- LinkedIn is a great, a great place to, uh, a great networking uh, opportunity for people in business. Awesome. Joe, thank you so much for the interview and a great time. It was awesome. I'm excited to even listen to the interview again because got some. I, I took some notes here, but I got to take some more notes. So it was awesome. So I want to uh, just say thank you for for your time, Gustavo. It was an honor to be on your on your show, and I, I, I thank you for inviting me. Stick around for the final thoughts. Us. Us. Let me share my final thoughts from the interview with Joseph Castillo. Joe's instructor is one of my best personal friends, Professor Bruno Bastos, 
Bruno is a fourth degree black belt and one of the most experienced competitors that I've ever met. He has been competing nonstop since he's 10 years old and he's what, like 57 now? <laughs> no, just kidding, he's 38. But he was always mentioning how game Joe was to compete. And I always saw him at the tournaments as well and so inspiring, man, for only starting jiu-jitsu at age 55. Has competed in all belts in all age groups and currently in 2018, he's 61 and still competes. And the title of the podcast is Age is Just a Number, which he mentioned when I gave him props for starting his BJJ journey at 55. I really reflected on what I was going to talk about in the final thoughts because he dropped a lot of knowledge and wisdom talking about life and business. And I could go to a lot of different direction with these final thoughts. However, my main takeaway from the interview was age is just a number. And I'm not sure what your takeaway is, though, but one thing you have to agree, there are not too many 55-year-olds in the world deciding to start their jiu-jitsu journey, compete in all belts, and achieve a black belt. I want to use these final thoughts for you to reflect. Do you believe age is a number? The reason why I'm asking is because most of the listeners are in the master's division, even though we have you know, some listeners under 30 as well. But the podcast predominantly reaches the crowd over 30, and very often I, I listen to people saying, well, I'd like to do this, I'm too old for training, or too old for a competition, or too old to learn a new skill. By the way, these are people who are just over 30, okay? <laughs> and here's the thing. If I ask someone, hey, dude, would you like to train jiu-jitsu, or would you like to compete? And he answers, uh, no, nah, not really. Don't have the desire. Okay, I'm fine with that. Now, if he answers, yes, I'd like to or I'd love to, but I'm too old for that, that's no bueno. Let me ask you this. Are you currently not doing things in your life because you feel that you're too old? If you don't have a problem with that, good for you. Keep it up. Now, if you are struggling with this or Maybe you're not, but you know someone who is struggling with this age issue. I'd like to propose you a challenge for you and all the listeners. And as you already know, one of the main messages of the Biogemata Coach podcast is to inspire people to live a life authentic to yourself and authentic to your desires. Now I'm going to ask you, what is one desire that you have inside of you that you keep finding excuses not to attempt because you feel that you're too old? What is it? Getting back to jiu-jitsu, learning a new language, sign up for dance lessons, going back to school. What is it? I know a story about this little girl who had a burning desire, as Napoleon Hill mentions at Think and Grow Rich, to be a teacher. And she loved going to the school. When she was about to turn 17 years old, her dream started to go in a different direction. In a family of five, the father got sick and couldn't work. The mom was a housewife who took care of the youngest sister, and her older brother was in the military, so she had to drop out of high school to work, put a pause on her dream, and help with the family income. Fifteen years later, at the age 32, she became a single mother with two boys, four and eight years old, and no child support. And at the age 37, she decided to start the process of getting her GED. And three years later, she enrolled in college, finished her four-year business degree, followed by grad school for more two years, graduating and landing a new dream teacher position at the university 
PUC in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil at the age of 45, 28 years after she dropped out of high school. By the way, we're not done yet. <laughs> the teacher position was her second job because her main job was Shell Oil. She worked for the company for 30 years. Great company to work for. She kept both jobs for five years, and when she turned 50, she retired from Shell Oil and started teaching full-time. At the age 57, she decided that she wanted her master's degree. And at 67, she became a certified life coach. And currently, in 2018, my mom, Sylvia Cecilia, she is 72 years old, happily married for 23 years, and she is the business school head director of a Catholic college. On the top of that, she runs a nonprofit project called Nova Vida, which means new life in Portuguese. She coaches and mentors boys and girls from 14 to 18 years old from impoverished communities in Macaé, Rio de Janeiro, helping them to find their jobs and guide them to a positive route in life, keeping them away from drugs and crime. The program is only three years old, However, the Young Nova Vida project was selected from all the Catholic colleges in Brazil to represent Brazil and Italy at the Vatican this year. And in September, she will present her social work and the results with the projects from all over the world. My mother is my hero. She taught me two things really well, work ethic and integrity. She pursued her dream and I witnessed the whole thing with an amazing work ethic and integrity above all. She is my inspiration. Now, who is your inspiration? I bet that you have someone in mind that is an older person full of life. But even if you don't have one, no problem. There are so many amazing examples of people who believe that age is literally just a number. Examples of people who have made huge improvements in their lives and even changed their careers like Joe and my mom, who literally used the motivational speaker, Jim Rome's quote that says, work full-time on your living and part-time on your dream, and one day, your part-time can become the full-time job, and you can live your dream. Is it easy? Absolutely not. Do you think it was easy for my mom to do all that without child support? If it was easy, everyone would do it. Everyone would go after goals and dreams, but it's not. And these are for people who are really committed to execute on their desires. And do you have a burning desire inside of you? If you do and you are really committed to execute on your desires, regardless of your age or current situation, the time is now. Like the episode 7 with Tap Cancer Out CEO John Thomas. The time is now and you won't regret. Work full-time on your living part-time on your dreams, and with a lot of action, hard work, discipline, and as Joe mentioned, especially patience, you will get there. It takes time, but the time to start is now. Os. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.